This week on Erotic Awakening, Sacred Kink with Lee Harrington, Part 2. Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hey, Dawn. Hi, Dan. So last week when you went off to your party, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, you put on a blue wristband. I did. And for those uh, listeners that don't know this, that when you go to a play party and you put on a blue wristband, that means that you are willing to bottom for someone. Exactly. And my understanding is you didn't bottom for anyone. No. And, um, you know, the blue wristband actually shows that you're willing to talk to someone about bottoming for them. It doesn't mean that you're like open game or anything, but at least it's supposed to start discussions. Well, as it happens, the new podcast rule is that... If you are a fan of the podcast and you've listened to the podcast and Dawn's wearing a blue wristband or I'm wearing mm-hmm. a red wristband, <laughs> then the answer is yes, we would like to play. Ooh. So fanboys get to play. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so this week we're talking with Lee Harrington, part two of our discussion with her. We were talking about Sacred Kink and we'll have that interview coming up in the second part of the show. And hopefully I don't come across as such a fangirl this time because I noticed with the first part of the interview that uh, it really felt like I was a fangirl just idolizing Lee, which I do. <laughs> well, it's really funny that you say that, though, because a lot of the presenters and workshop runners and such that we interact with mm-hmm. – you know, like, oh, well, so-and-so, Joe the presenter, he's really good, and mm-hmm. he, we enjoy his presentations, but we're pretty good, too, and, you know, we feel like they're peers. Right. Uh, but Lee, you know, we'll, clear, we'll honestly admit Lee is a pioneer mm-hmm. and very knowledgeable, and there's a reason why Lee is one of the most sought-after presenters out there. Very dynamic and, and knows his stuff, and I just... Mm. So I think maybe sometimes if you're going to be a fanboy then or a fangirl in your case, <laughs> Lee is a pretty good person to be a fan of. And there's, you know, it's okay to respect and admire someone without it being stalky and scary. Very true. So I have no interest in stalking, though we do end up at the same places a lot. <laughs> but we don't have a lot of time for that right now. Sorry. we got to pack the car. We are leaving tomorrow. We are headed for the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. <laughs> That's going to be so much fun. Yep. We are going to uh, be checking out, of course, Dark Odyssey Winterfire. Mm-hmm. As we said last week, we think there's about 1,000 people going to show that's, up for that one. Yeah, that's the latest email update that I saw was 1,000 people. And uh, as we mentioned, we'll do a little bit of live podcast recording, pick up some interviews, even if, and this is great for our listeners. Mm-hmm. If you would like to go to Dark Odyssey, Winterfire, but for whatever reason you can't go, head over to the website, look at the list of presenters, and say, oh boy, I sure hope they uh, do an interview with Sarah Sloan. Or, mm-hmm. oh boy, Melina's going to be there, and I've never got to see Melina. I'd love to hear something from her. And say, hey, Dan and Dawn, 
why don't you interview that awesome Sarah Sloan or Molina or any of the other great presenters that are going to be there? Oh, that'd be awesome to hear who people want to listen to. So even though you can't make it to Dark Odyssey, we will go in proxy for you and bring back some of those presentations that you wanted to see. Sweet. And if you want us to do that, <laughs> gather presentations for you or to get a hold of us for any other reason, here's how to contact us. So by email, it's eroticawakening at bluecatservices.org. Or voicemail, 206-309-0054. On FetLife, our group is Erotic Awakening. And finally, Twitter, Dan and Dawn. Sweet. So last week, we presented part one of Sacred Kink. And one of our listeners, listeners responded by saying that... When they do BDSM scenes, they do, they're very intense and very dynamic and very in-depth for her. And she sees them more as work than she does as play. And she went on, and I can relate with this. Sometimes the word play seems a little bit too unencompassing of yeah. what we're really doing. Not really descriptive of what we're really doing. And a lot of people do BDSM for fun, and we're not taking anything away from that. And we've certainly had our scenes, which are clearly for the the fun of mm-hmm. it. Uh, I remember catching a uh, air quote witch in <laughs> Texas. Yes, and we had a very fun scene. You know, I ended up beating her with a shoe, and the audience was around and cheering us on, and mm-hmm. she wouldn't confess her sins. She's and I, being a little bratty and things like that. And, so nothing wrong mm-hmm. with a BDSM scene done for fun. Mm-hmm. In this particular case, though, we're, when, we're, when we're thinking sacred kinks or sacred BDSM, BDSM done for a purpose, for depth, getting a little deeper, coming out of it and being changed, coming out of it and being a little more than you were when you went in. Yes, tapping into something inside and sometimes you don't even know it's there but it's time for it to come out and be looked at when the person said that they felt that bdsm for them was more work than it was play i responded to them by saying well maybe there's you know this middle ground of the two and i call it dance maybe it's a dance Mm, i like that it's energetic it's intense it's focused but on the other hand, you know, for myself, most BDSM scenes, very few BDSM scenes do I want to be work. You know, now, granted, there are times when I do want to focus energy and it does feel more like work. And that's OK to do inappropriate. But most of the time, most of the time I'm thinking what I want out of my BDSM scene is more of that sense of dance and the giving and receiving. That you're not doing all the giving and them doing all the receiving. That's very draining. You know, I like to be able to, I mean, they, they, you think of bottoms as just taking. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I like to give back, even though you can't tell unless you're energetically tapped into it, mm-hmm. that I'm also giving back in some manner, whether it's vulnerability, whether it's just being open to what's going on, whether it's growling back at you, whether it's, you know, giving you some noises that, that you're taking me different places. You mm-hmm. know, it is a dance. I, I agree. And I, I recall Sir Andrew from Canada telling us, he was one of the first oh, yes. people that, that turned me onto the idea that not only was he journeying, mm-hmm. you know, when he 
bottomed, but when he topped, he was taking he was partaking in the journey with his submissive. Yes. And it was really interesting to hear him say that. And then later on, as we continued to move along, we saw a presentation with Michelle Bellinger, who said the same mm-hmm. thing. And, and she does some uh, Sado shamanism, I believe yes. is what she called it. You know, where it is, you are not just sending your submissive off on her own little flight into subspace mm-hmm. or whatever space they're going into, but to follow them into space and to develop your own not so much top space, which is what I see as a just a control place, mm-hmm. but this other form of top space where I too am journeying, and we see that in our in our scenes that are a little more intense and in yes. depth. Yes, yes. You know, uh, again, referring back to just a couple of weekends ago when I threw you on the floor, <laughs> was growling, biting, mm-hmm. humping. There was a. a and I don't know if if this would be being considered being ridden so much as perhaps more of an internal opening up. I really don't know what it was, what kind of journey that was. Being ridden, open up to your primal self. I mean, sometimes you don't need that answer. It just is. It was definitely something. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to getting to the section of Lee's book about that that ordeal path Mm -hmm. and seeing if there's some answers in there for me. Oh, I imagine there are. Maybe I'll get lucky and part two of the interview will have those answers that I seek. Ooh, that would be nice. And easy too, because reading (laughs) can be hard. It can. Just like a discussion around all these paths needs to be had. Mm -hmm. Whether you are somebody who is called towards working with rhythm, fucking in time, (laughs) pumping. Yeah, look at that grand. I just sat right up. (laughs) Right. And there are some of us who have had those profound moments on the dance floor, in the dungeon. I was at a play party once where instead of pumping Enya through the overhead speakers, this was at... uh, at, uh, it was at uh, Sacred Sexuality Beltane okay. last year, where in, for one night, they brought in the drum crew nice. into the dungeon. Yay. Live, drums, Great. pumping, mm-hmm. and, and every single flogger, every single single tail in the room because of, not just on the speakers, but the echo right. of that drum beat fell in time until suddenly the moans and cries and <laughs> shrill sighs of relief that were coming out of the bottoms were in the same tone of music that the lead drummer was literally playing everyone in the room. Nice. Yeah. I can just imagine the vibration and the energy of that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Dawn and I are very uh, fortunate. We've been around for a little while, and some of the stuff that you've touched on, I could say, oh, I can completely relate with that. Some of the stuff you've touched on, it's like, I'm halfway there. (laughs) You know, I've I've been ridden, but I don't understand it enough. And some of the stuff is like, whoa. So some of it's stuff. So is the book appropriate for people that have been around for a long time and are looking to take the next step? Is it something that you would recommend to a newcomer? Or are you really looking for, oh, this is really for advanced people that really have their shit together already? It's funny. I... uh one of my editors um, for the book was um, Philip Bernhardt the III, who people would know from, he's, he's an academic within the pagan community and has written a lot of stuff on uh, the work of were-creatures in Irish mythology, regular lecturer on, on the pagan circuit, on okay. a lot of really fascinating academic texts. He's right now editing some stuff on non-Irish Kugel workings and all that stuff. Brain the size of a planet, love him dearly. And 
not really that intensive a sexual. I mean, plays sexually and does stuff, but like this is not his path. I hired two editors, one to check my my, my sacred facts and one to check my BDSM facts, um, just to make sure that I was not bullshitting myself and making things up by reading them on Wikipedia or, or hearing it once right. and making sure that I wasn't misquoting you know Muslim faith tradition workings with slashing open your own chest like that kind of stuff. And afterwards, Philip said to me, "You know what?" I had not considered the... I've been doing spiritual exploration for 25 years, 30 years, actively. And I not considered a lot of these things, even though they're so obvious, because you phrased them in a way that made me go, right, I knew that already. <laughs> Why didn't I put two and two together and make four? I had the two, I had the two, ah. I miss that math I miss the, exactly. <laughs> and it happens. And so I, I would say for the people who are already spiritual explorers and they're like, oh, wait, I can add this thing that I already love and make it mine. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people who are advanced BDSM, people who are like, that's why I had my epiphany. Mm -hmm. Got it. Right? Yep. Or gone, oh, there's language here now for me to be able to have a conversation right. with my lovers or for me to be able to negotiate with people and say, oh, by the way, sometimes I gloss over and the goddess speaks through my mouth when I am femdoming and being a dominatrix. Now I have a language for that. So I have an entire glossary at the back of the book of language to be able to have the conversation with. Mm -hmm. And I've also had a couple of new people who have read just a couple of essays here and there and gone, Wait, I, I, I'm fascinated by erotics, uh, by erotic objectification. Mm -hmm. And there's an essay, I can just flip open the beginning of the book and go, oh, page 268, objectification for animists. What that, what's that mean? And it's where I look at the idea that a lot of objectification, sexual objectification that's out there is from the idea that objects have no value. But what happens if I believe that this bed has a soul? What happens if I believe that this microphone has a spirit? What happens if I say to this book, thank you for teaching me something? And if I choose to step away from a culture that says, oh, well, my car is not working, I'll throw it away. There is no away. Yeah. And what if I bring that into my, ero in my relationships and my erotic connections? Right. And so there are some people that I've had who have just picked up the book and gone, I'm only going to read three or four essays, but it's three or four essays that call to me. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, and then I also have some stuff for academics, but I, I also decided to, because I'm a perv, and I find that our community of perverts, um, note the word perversion, to take something that is meant to do one thing and to do something else with it, mm -hmm. right? There is right. power in that concept. Um, but I found that some people learn better through porn. So I decided for that every single path, there's a porn story. Okay. Right? So the path of rhythm, I talk about this idea of, you know, a daddy and boy leather, you know, gay leather couple who are at a dance club night and the daddy starts using his boy as a drum on the dance floor. Oh, we've done that before. Yeah. <laughs> Until actually the, the top is the one who ends up going on the trance mm -hmm. and the top is the one who ends up going on this journey. Right? Because there's this misnomer that, oh, the top is the guide and the bottom will go on a journey into the... Right. It doesn't have to be. Right? So I talk about the other direction. As compared to the... Uh, as compared to Path of the Flesh, where I start out with a couple, a heterosexual couple, with um, the submissive woman, who isn't that submissive, but she's a sensualist and a hedonist, mm -hmm. who it gets picked up by her partner and blindfolded, taken home, and he ties her down and feeds her a bite at a time of different foods mm -hmm. 
until she's confused on which sense is coming next. Hmm. In The Path of the Horse, I talk about a dominatrix, and it's inspired by somebody that I know in, in the Seattle area. Um, and all of these are inspired by people that I've met or things that I've had myself. Right. They're all inspired by stories that I've seen and or been part of. And um, it, she, uh, it, it's basically this idea of she's a, um, I don't list the name, but the real worker is, uh, the real person I know is a, is a um, devotee of Arishkagul. Um, in the Anana Arishkagul cycle. Got it. Um, the goddess of the underworld, she who tells you dark truths to be able to open up your eyes. And that is who she does her devo devotion of, um, of prodoming and domination for. Mm -hmm. And so in the story, I talk about this idea that in her in this, this prodom's day, most of the time it's just normal clients, normal clients, but occasionally she gets this voice at the back of her head, this one is special. Mm. And she dresses in her sacred garb. And in this case, her sacred garb is long black velvets and sheer black laces and tight corsets and high heels. And when she puts on and Nana, and it puts on the, the, her lady's mask, right? And it comes down over her face. She slips into the back seat of her own mind, and what she is supposed to do comes out. Not what her ego wants to do, right? But what she needs to do comes out. And it's the story of a devotee of this goddess being able to come to a dominatrix for an opportunity to worship divinity. Mm. And so I have all these different stories to help people who might be looking through a book and going. You want me to sit there while tied up and think about my navel? <laughs> what? <laughs> to go, oh, and to get inside the head sure. of the people who are going there. Because for some folks, the academic stuff isn't going to sink in. But having examples of erotic things that they can buy into emotionally, it, you know. it creates a picture with that story exactly. as well. Some of us are very visual. So Absolutely. You give us the facts and it's like, oh, okay, but give us the story. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what sticks. And that's fantastic because I may not be able to relate to the idea of a bunch of people around a fire getting down and dancing and drumming and that kind right. of stuff. And that might be foreign and weird to me, but I've absolutely been to an event and I'll be listening to the music in the background and the thumping of, of butt boy or whatever's playing <laughs> and find myself flogging to the beat and finding my myself slipping into what, what we're calling here as a trance state. Right. To me, it's just like, well, I'm just getting all energized. I'm getting all focused and I'm just... Hey, that's like, I'm not even in charge anymore. Right. So it's great that you're approaching it from two different directions like that. Absolutely, because my big thought is that, is that this is not, I originally was thinking about writing an academic text. That had mm -hmm. been my original intention when I started writing. And the more I wrote, the more I realized that if I wrote to the university circuit, which I teach in the university circuit, as well as within art, within the community of sexuality and spirituality, um, I realized that if I spoke to them before speaking to our own community... I wasn't going to raise the excellence within our communities. Hmm. Right. Right. And I needed to bring, I need to do the grassroots work first before I can do the high flip and stuff. And so my hope, just to plant the seed for people ahead of time, if people want to turn, uh, look at my website, which is passionandsoul.com, in the next month or so, I've decided that I'm actually going to do an anthology series based off my work here in Sacred Kink, because Sacred Kink is my viewpoint. And it's a 400-plus page giant friggin' thing <laughs> that gives people a starting place, mind you, in big font so that people can read it. And it's only, no, no essay is more than eight pages long so that you don't... Nobody gets, like, their brain numbed. Um, but... So that this is my voice, though, and it's my perspective, having talked to the people that I've met. So it has collections, of, it probably has 100 different people's stories, if not 200 people's stories, in it. But that's only a start. 
So I've decided I want to do an anthology series. I'm going to start with one, see how it do- goes, um, with me as the editor, where I'm going to be doing a call-out in the next month or so um, for a book called The Power of Passion. And it's going to be an anthology of people's personal stories of experiencing sacred kink in some way. Whether it's altered states of consciousness, whether it's having had a profound moment, whether it's being in the middle of a scene and going, oh my God, I need to not be here because your inner wisdom finally spoke up because your monkey mind was able to be silenced. And Mm -hmm. that moment of like, I have to be tough. I have to be tough. No, really? I need to stop this right Mm -hmm. now. Any of these things, moments where maybe somebody was having an ecstatic dance moment and they found themselves making out with a total stranger, but it was as it was meant to be. Right. All of these things are explorations in sacred kink. And so I want to open it up and get people's perspectives. And my hope is the first anthology, if it does well and people are interested in it, be able to do an anthology a year or every two years of a different topic. Maybe choose a different path each time and have stories and collections to get these tales because these things are happening Mm -hmm. in the bedroom, dancing open under an open sky, in your tantra practices, finding these moments of going, wait, how I, I squeezed my own thighs to focus into my breath and breathing better. Does that make me a masochist? No, (laughs) it means you used your body. Wow. Right. Or these moments of hearing the stories where people have used mastery or slavery or a path of training or path of being called to be a whip master as a calling Mm -hmm. in the classical sense of a calling of a spiritual path. Mm -hmm. I want these stories out there because they are all out there and we've all had them. We've all had something happen. Mm -hmm. Even if it was the moment to stand up and say, no, really? I don't care what you're saying. I'm choosing to hold on to my virginity and I'm choosing to be monogamous because that is what is calling me until I am ready. That too is a form, in my opinion, of sacred kink because it is perverting what is being a social norm. Mm-hmm. Because the social norm right now is to say, knickers to the wind, I'm going to go wherever I want to go. <laughs> right. Look at the new version of 90210 on television, you know what I mean? And, and OC and all these... T- to me, when I see people who are choosing a path of being the vestal virgins of our generation, I tip my hat to them. And on the flip side, when I see people who are reclaiming the word slut, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> I tip my hat to them. And when I see people who, for whatever path they choose, are going there fully, with investment, with, with intention, with attention to detail, mm-hmm. I am blown away, and I consider all of these things workings in sacred kink. Mm-hmm. So that's my hope with the book, and that's my hope with some of these ideas, is to to open it up to a conversation. I do not have all of the answers, but my hope is that I can plant some seeds and that every single person will grow their own garden of where they need to be and what they need to do. Well, you you may not have all the answers, but I'm holding 400 pages of some pretty, pretty darn close getting there. Picture. <laughs> I'm picture, so I don't, like I said, I don't have the words, so yeah. maybe this will help me have some of the words to explain my spiritual path. Absolutely, and at the back of the book, exactly, and at the back of the book, not just on the back cover, but in the back mm-hmm. section, I have a series of appendices, um, oh, some right. essays that didn't make it in the book, um, but I also have a resource section in there. Mm-hmm. So if you go, you know what, this, is total, this voice doesn't work for me, you might go... Oh, I need to go read Sensuicidi's collection of, of interviews that she did. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, I need to go read Raven Caldera's work on Ordeal Path, because that's what calls to me. Or, oh, wait, 
What sounds more intriguing to me is to go and to do an intensive experience in sacred kink workings, and I'm going to go do work with the two of you in doing stuff with you know with with the Scarlet Temple and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's oh that thing of Kadishi. That's what calls to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Or oh a Rodomancy. Tell me about oh, that. I love that word. Right. De- <laughs> tell me about Deborah Addington's Adam's work. Or, yes. Right. Or oh Shamanadom. I can resonate with that. Like, uh, yeah, as a dominant, I am a shaman. I want to go study with and work with the folks at, at um, Sacred Mark Sanctuary. Or, oh, um, no, what really calls to me is the calling of the priests in black leather, mm. of Christian service in DS, ma- dominant submissive mastery. Wow, I need to go and study at the feet of Master Skip Chasey for a period of time, who's a theologian with the M- with the Ma- Metropolitan Community Church, who is also a devout leatherman who believes that leather is his calling towards divinity. <laughs> right? Nice. A lot of paths. There's a lot of paths out there, and my hope is is that this will help people at least give them a flashlight, give them a machete, clear the way a little bit, and find <laughs> their own way through the jungle, find their own path, <laughs> figure out what is right for them, with these eight paths being a starting place, some options to consider and go, oh, that's what I need to do today, or oh, that's what I need to do this year, or oh, that's what I need to do this lifetime, and it's what I've been doing for this lifetime, and I didn't have words for it Mm -hmm. yet. The the book is Sacred Kink, The Eightfold Path of BDSM and Beyond. Lee, how can I find out more? Where can I get the book? Where can I find out more about you? Uh, My website is passionandsoul.com. Uh, on my website, I have lists to all of my books. Sacred Kink is my newest one, but I've got other stuff out there as well on hands-on erotic skills and lots of other stuff. You can download podcasts that I've been on. You can go to different uh, online classes that I've had. And also for people who are interested, I've started a series of um, intensive weekends. I have two different oh. intensive weekends. One is called Delving into Power, which is a three-day intensive exploring dominance and submission mm-hmm. as a personal path towards exploration and finding out if dominance and submission is right for you. Mm-hmm. And then I have another one that is specifically on the sacred kink working that is called um, Kink Odyssey. And it's a two-day experience of dabbling in what is kink, what is sacred kink, and figuring out what people want to do with their path of that stuff. And they can find all that information on my website. And if people are interested, I also teach all over the United States and actually all over the world. I'm teaching in Canada next weekend. I just in November did a month of stuff down in Melbourne and Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm traveling on a regular basis and they can find my classes, my travel schedule, including my private one-on-one mentoring and coaching and casica working that I do for people who might be wanting to do this stuff but need a mentor, a guide, and some different things like that. So again, passionandsoul.com. Very Fabulous. cool. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me back. It has been fantastic. Coming up next week, sex is fun. Bye, Don. Bye, Dan. Bye, Jim. Bye. Don't you sneak in? <laughs> Views occurred on Erotic Awakening, Free by White Knight, Strawberry Jam by Jerry Bradley, and Wanda by 31D1 is provided from the Podshow Podsafe Network. More information can be found at music.podshow.com.